one of 10 active Division I men's basketball coaches with a Natty Championship. The comeback champs cannot be denied. Viva A happy and jubilant Tubby Smith. 18 NCAA tournament appearances, dozens of conference and national coach of the year awards, and Olympic gold medal with Team USA. I'm at that stage in my career, hit nothing surprises me. Everywhere we've been, we've left programs in better shape than we found them. From his alma mater, High Point University. Here, Dr. Cobain call up and say, you know, Tubby, we want you to come home, put things in perspective. This is the Tubby Smith Show with legendary head coach, Tommy Smith, and DV, Darren Vaught. All right, this is the Tubby Smith Show. Darren Vaught here, right across from me, of course, the legendary head coach of the High Point University Panthers, Tubby Smith, and a really good friend of his on the phone line right now, and Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes, the... 2019 Naismith Coach of the Year, uh, recent SEC Coach of the Year. Both of you guys, I mean, what, 70 combined years as Division One head coaches, something a- along those lines? My age, my age. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Rick, first off, just thanks, thanks for coming on. Um, I, I know this guy across from me. Is uh, he speaks very highly of you any anytime he gets the chance, and uh, I'm just seeing him for the first time in in months. So I think a, a good starting place with any conversation anybody has at this point is uh, how how are you doing? Right, it's weird times for everybody. What's been going on in your life? Well, you know, probably like you all, it it, it has been weird, but uh, I tell you, I really appreciate you guys having me on because I I will tell you this, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. There's not a more kinder sincere person in our business or in, in any business in tubby smith and there's not anything i wouldn't do to to have a chance to spend time with him and uh but like you said it's uh it's different times it, it really is and uh we we've had to work through it you know we've had some you know some cases and we've had to deal with it the tracing and all that but uh i think that we're all going to be better for it once we get through it and uh the adjustments that we have to make coming up with our season we have to do it we have to do it but uh i at this point in time, I'm just hoping and excited that we can have a basketball season. Uh, likewise, as we recently got the the new start date uh, tentatively for November 25th, it does appear that we're well on our way to getting a college basketball season going. Um, you were telling me a story before we, we started recording, Rick, about you seeing Coach Tubby Smith here for the first time as a player. You guys have that Conference Carolinas connection. You, of course, from Hickory, played at Lenore Ryan. Um, he's back at his alma mater in High Point. How would you describe the young Orlando <laughs> Tubby Smith? Well, you know what? He had, he had great hair, by the way. You know? <laughs> but, but, I, but I do remember that game, and I do remember vividly as I'm sitting here talking to you that uh, J.D. Barnett had left Lenore Ryan uh, where I went to school and who they were playing that night the year before and went back, came back to Hickory for the first time after coaching LR. And they did, they re- they literally held the ball for the entire game. Tubby yeah. stood right where I, I was sitting behind the high point bench at Lenore Ryan. And, uh, my college roommate to be John Lentz, who was in that game. And John later coached at Lenore Ryan for 29 years. And, but Tubby and I think he and Tubby, 
probably scored the most of all the points in the game. I yep. can't remember the score, yep. Tubby. It's like 18, 15, 12. I it can't was remember. Crazy. It was I like 18. And, we, and I had seven yeah. points and I was leading score. It was crazy. Man. Yeah. But uh, but I remember t- and t- but Tubby, if I'm not mistaken, you had originally committed to University of Maryland, hadn't you? Before yeah, Lefty had done- that's exactly right. Did you you ever you never worked with Lefty, did you? No, no, no I didn't. But you know, uh, you know, when I was at George Mason, that's right. You know, the guy that hired me at George Mason, Joe Harrington, spent that's sixteen right. years with coach. Yeah. And and believe mm-hmm. it or not, Back in 19, I'm going to say 67 or 68, I went to the Campbell College basketball camp, and that was the camp that you would go to. I remember it cost 56 bucks to go there for a week. And Lefty Drizel, John Wood, and you name it, yeah. uh, Press Maravich, they were all there. And uh, But I did get to know Coach Drizel, uh while I was at, at George Mason because I would often be in gyms where he, when he – Went to James Madison, you know, I got to spend time with him because we were often in the same gym together. But uh, he's doing great, by yeah, the way. I yeah. mean, for his, I mean, he is, he is, he is really doing well. Well, you know, one of the things that you, you mentioned earlier, yeah, that was my, that first dream. You know, everybody wanted to play at their, the school in their locale. You know, and I wanted to play, I'm from Maryland. And always wanted to play at the University of Maryland, but you're right. And there's a trivia question: Who was the coach before Lefty Drizel? For a lot of people, and he he was there for two years, and he had been Lefty's assistant. I mean, um, he had been there two years prior to that before Lefty took the job in 19, I think it was 69. This is when when I graduated from high school and came to to High Point. But um, I never forget. I was coming there, and Lefty took the job. He decided, you know what? I don't think you're good enough. But he didn't tell me that, but I understood the message. Yeah. So that's how I ended up at High Point. That's how we end up. It's, it's so God has a way of putting people in your lives, you know, like just like you, Rick, you know, having known you since college, really didn't know you, but now knowing you yeah. and at George Mason, I guess that's when we first really crossed paths when we were recruiting against each other, and I was at VCU. Um, uh-huh. and, and doing things, um, you know, and, and people have to understand it's it's a real sacrifice and a commitment in this business when you're uh, when you're cutting your teeth as an assistant coach back then because you were on the road um, consistently and, and and all the time. So, uh, but yeah, it's um, it's good to have you part of this show too. My first yeah. podcast here, so thank yeah. you for doing this. Well, you, hey, you know what? I'll go back to when he was a player. I will tell you this. The, the name Tubby didn't wasn't the name he should have because he wasn't Tubby at all, you know. <laughs> in terms of being Tubby fat, you know. Yeah. Well, all right. So I I've one, I've I heard. One, I think. So I've I think heard the story the on the nickname Rick. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know that's that's great. That's a, that's a great way. You ought to give somebody a season ticket if they know how to. <laughs> what, what that name's from. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rick, I don't know if we need to use your nickname here but on this yeah. on this podcast <laughs> we'll i've got it. too many of them Doug. <laughs> you got too many of them no but how about this my our sid our sports information director kevin has he he gets a book in a literature class at hickory high school with your name on it and 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 like you said you probably it was probably brand new still that you never read yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> you probably never been read <laughs> yeah when when you told me that story i said i said well if, if i had a li- literature book whatever they gave it to me i gave them back to it just the same way you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so this was a story that came up uh what a, a couple of weeks ago and kevin mcmahon the sports information director for for high point 
men's basketball here. Uh, went to the same high school as Rick, and you know, I, I don't know if this is the case anymore. I, I'm 30, and it was certainly the case when I was in high school. You get a textbook and you put your name in it, right? right? So you can see, however old the book is, you can see. Uh, you, you know, the people that had it before you. So that's um, Rick Barnes and, and our own Kevin McMahon, who uh, is helping out with producing the podcast here. Names in the same book. That's that's pretty cool. That's pretty, that is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm interested to have both of you guys talking through this that coaching in a pandemic. I, I wonder what challenges it has presented, you know, maybe for the first time in your careers, you've had some, some extra downtime that's maybe given some perspective depending on uh, how, how involved you've been able to be with the players. Um, we'll start with you, Rick. Just how, how has it changed things in ways that maybe the on-the-surface level, other than, as you mentioned earlier, having to deal with tracing and, and uh, quarantining guys if something comes up? How, how else has it changed things for you because it's offset everybody's calendars? Well, I think Tubby would probably agree with this. You know, this spring or when the NCAA tournament was called off and for the first time in over 40-plus years, we were out of a routine that we'd been in for 40 years because we pretty much know what we do as soon as the season's over with and whether it's getting back on the road recruiting. And, and the routine we'd been in was totally disrupted. And uh, it was sort of an eerie type thing that happened when we, you know, we were getting ready to go on the floor over in Nashville when we, uh, you know, they cook, they called a tournament off and our players were scared. They, they were a little bit understanding what happened. I think it all happened when, was it, I think it was Chris Paul that, when he got the word and he, he was running off the floor, you know, when one of the referees might have had it. But uh, from that time, you know, when our, and if we got back here, our players met with our, our team doctors and, and they assured them that we're going to be OK. But everybody was going to go home and and uh, they went home. And through that time, we really we really did stay in touch with our players a lot. You know, we, we broke them down to where coaches were talking to them about every day and made sure they understood the things that we still thought they should be doing to continue to get better because they're all pursuing that dream of playing at the highest level. And uh, when we finally got to come back on campus, it was, uh, man, it was something that we were all excited about. But I told Tubby during that time, I personally, what I did, I was trying to get myself back in better shape and I got into a, a hobby of hunting golf balls <laughs> and uh and i and i really and i really i really have i, I got a, a little bit obsessed with it but uh but you know uh once we got back in school here and we've been going you know we've had some stoppage obviously with dealing with with the virus but uh it's it's been good and our guys are wanting to play and and uh they really do want to play and but we've done everything, and I know our university's done the right thing in terms of making sure that we're all following the protocol. Our county's done the right thing with in terms of the social tracing and all that. But they, they really do want to play. And at that point in time when we first got back, when we weren't sure what the season – because they hadn't even made a decision on football yet. There was uh, – we were going through it with one of our players, Eve Ponds, who was, uh, you know, had put his name in the NBA draft. And he's and his one thing to me, coach. He said, "Are you sure we're going to have a season?" And I said, well, "Yeah, yes, we're going to have a season." And I always believed that. I, I never thought we would never ever go without a, a basketball season. Well, there are so many things that that transpired during that time, you know. And it's, I guess, just the emotional. Uh, as you said, everybody's a little frightened and scared about what this 
COVID-19 um, meant and, and could happen to you and, and, and how vulnerable we all are. And I think that's one thing that, that players recognize, I think, as as coaches and leaders, they recognize, hey, coach is just as vulnerable as anyone. And look at Coach Smith or look at Coach Barnes. You know, they're, they're uncertain also. But you have to give them the strength and give them the, you know, and show the leadership that this – this is going to be. We're going to overcome this. We're going. To, we're going to have a plan. We're going to get through this. You're going to be back in school. Trust us. And I think that was the key, building that trust, as you said before, through Zoom. And I never even heard of Zoom. Now, <laughs> you know, every week you, we were, you were talking to players, probably communicating with them as much as if they had been on campus, other than them being in practice. But it was a. Um, an eerie time, but you have to believe in one another, you believe in your team, believe in your players. Um, said, trust them, you know, you got to fight for them. And I think that's what we've done as coaches, Rick. You know, we've through the NABC, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. The, um, I've been on some of these Zoom calls with other coaches, um, you know, letting the NCAA know that how important it is that we that we play and we find a way to to do it safely and keeping in mind the most important thing is our players health and safety uh, as well as everyone else but here in, in North Carolina we've done a great job as well uh, from our governor right down through uh, our president Nito Cobain our AD Dan who has done a remarkable job of, of, of uh, recognizing and we've had our share of cases even today we have uh, guys that are still in quarantine uh, and so we've got to get them healthy again uh, so so kids are excited to be back you know we are doing in-person classes I know some schools have had to shut down just listening to the news last night where UNC Charlotte and University of North Carolina have canceled their football game this week so we're you know, they're going to be it's, it's fluid as I said it's going to be continuous changes taking make taking place so we got to continue to 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 fight through this just as you guys are doing in Tennessee and you're right you know one thing Tubby you said it when we finally got back on campus the, the great there was a lot of just center guys was awesome oh, yeah. how badly those guys wanted to get back that's what was a really a special and the parents thing. wanted them back <laughs> yes. if you want to enjoy a great meal head on over to sweet old bills the next time you come see the panthers play sweet old bills is located right off main street in high point and is the official post-game meal for High Point University Athletics. Sweet Old Bills is also the proud home of the High Point Athletics Coaches Show, where you can catch Tubby Smith and other High Point head coaches every month. Sweet Old Bills, a proud supporter of High Point Athletics and the Tubby Smith Show. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the the emotional, maybe maybe even psychological element there. Tubby, you mentioned it. You want yeah. to fight for your players. Yeah, is mental. that, you know, this is, you, you guys are used to making adjustments, right? You, you referenced a game in which seven points was the leading score. That's not basketball anymore, right? No, Over no. time, you make adjustments. And you have this year in and year out routine. And just from an from a, an individual standpoint, I think each coach gets the benefit of the doubt that they're going to react differently and emotionally it's going to hit them all in, in different ways. Is that where you found yourselves 
relying on on motivation and inspiration was was for your players and to, to you know make sure that you found found some sort of of form of normalcy and got things formatted for, for them is that the centerpiece of it all well, well i think this when they got back here you know we were and, and it, this was really a difficult thing for them and they didn't quite understand this you know we were allowed once we got through the testing protocol that we were doing they could be in the gym and uh they could work out with uh you know we had three at a time they could come in we had to disinfect every single time three guys would leave we had to disinfect the basketballs we had to do all that and then as time went on they would let us do a little bit more and a little bit more but the one thing they wouldn't allow our, our players to do would play five on five they wouldn't allow it <clears throat> and that, that was really hard on them because uh they didn't understand it because, you know, they're young. They they think that, you know, they're going to be okay. And uh, they desperately wanted to play. And we would, uh, as much as we would tell them you can't, because that's what the Dodgers are telling us right now. Uh, we had caught word at time that they were trying to go to other places to play. And we just kept telling them you can't do that. That's the only one thing I never could quite get them to understand or even i can say myself i mean we're doing a lot of things but we just won't let them play yeah and that that was a really emotional time for them because they desperately wanted to play basketball i mean it it, it felt like tubby i felt like i was going to the driving range the chipping area and the putting but i never got to play golf that's what (laughs) my thing you know that's what you felt like you get to do everything but play and for them it was really hard. It was a. It was an emotional. Uh, that's when again we were going through a, a, some things with our guys, just wondering about the uncertainty of everything. But uh, but as as players, that they've worked through it. They're young yeah. and they're you know they're they're strong. And uh, but as coaches, we we had to I think provide them with the fact that hey we're going to be okay, but we just got to do things the right way. This this is the new normal for right now. And, and, and I do think they were looking for us to give them that kind of guidance. Absolutely. Uh, you're, you're, you're right on with that, Rick. We all have had to deal with that. And certainly the the mental uh, – and, and I told our guys, you know, we, we talk about mental toughness and fighting through fatigue or through pain. And, um, so, so this is a real learning, a real lesson on perseverance for, for most of us in this day and age with this pandemic and how we have to um, adhere to the, the rules and the regulations, or are you going to, or are you going to have problems? You know, make sure that, Hey, this is a now, you know, just like, and I, I, I said to our players, you know, we're dealing with a lot of social issues or racial unrest and some of the things that have happened. That's look, folks, it's, it's a matter of respect, you know, respect authority. You, you I said, you respect me, right? I asked them, and they said, yeah, coach. I said, well, you, you do what I ask you to do. I said, but more importantly, you do what I tell you to do. And that's that's what life's about. You've got to adhere to what the – I mean, if we – if you're in – if you have – like one of our players has surgery. If you don't follow the rehabilitation protocol that the doctor has set up for, you're not going to get – you're not going to be able to play this year. You're not going to be. You're not going to get healthy. So, I think if we put it in that perspective for the students and athletes, because they're pretty intelligent people, you know, they're here in college and uh, and they can reason. But you're right. They were. We they we actually had to take the baskets down outside on the outdoor court here because they were. I drove by there and they were. <laughs> 
I said, fellows, I had, I was just driving through campus and there's a, a court right across from the dorm where they were staying this summer back in July. I said, what are you guys doing? Well, they were playing five on five. It was just, so you can't do that. <laughs> so sure enough, you know, they did it again, you know, when I met in the evening and, and so security came and had to take the rims down. But, but uh, again, I think you try to tell them to be cautious, you know, practice, you know, safe distancing, wearing masks. You know, that was the strangest part. Being you come to our practice, and we have four guys in there, maybe five. We have six baskets in our gym, and we can have five guys, but it's just one coach, one ball, one player at that basket. And the recruiting aspect of it has changed. I mean, yourself, Rick, you've had a great recruiting class already for next year. And probably some of those players haven't even been to your campus, have they? Yeah, one of them definitely had. One of them has, but the other one hadn't. And, you know, you think about it, Tubby, back when we first got into coaching a long, long time ago, we could recruit every day of the year. Yep. And the biggest thing now, think about it, this is the longest in our lifetime that we have gone without being out on the road recruiting. Now it's going to last until January, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Think about it. That's the longest we've gone, and now it's going to last till January. And I'm glad I got good assistance. I can tell you that. Same <laughs> <laughs> you know? hey, uh, here. <laughs> yeah. That they're going to do the evaluations, you know, with with the video, with with scouting services. Now it's it's uh, that's pretty much the way recruiting is done, and kids are so, you know, with AAU programs that are, you know, and some of these programs still competed this summer. I was shocked. Yeah. That that uh that some states and that's the problem with this whole situation. There's no real national, you know, because each state has a different um, level and different phases that they're in, and and that's the only that's the one thing that's been disappointing. And I was and that's what I appreciate about the NCAA. You know, we really have tried to make it uniform uh, regulations to regulate our, our game, and I think we've done a very good job of that as coaches, you know, when changes take place, it, you know, it, it's, it's for everyone, you know, it can, and everyone can see the rules and see the guidelines and, and adjust and adapt to them. You know, they see the line move back or they know that there's no longer a closely guarded situation. And, and in, and in life and in this pandemic, it's been a little, it's been, been, you know, it's been some poor messaging to, in my opinion, from uh, from our leadership, and I hate to say it, but you know the masking part. If we just wore masks, you know, and now now students uh, on campus, faculty members are wearing shields. But but this is what you have to do. I think if you go back and, and and you look at where we are right now, where we were back, you know, what six months ago, I've watched our conference, the SEC, really try to. You know, them along with the ACC have been the two conferences in the Big 12, the three conferences that have really said from the beginning they were going to find a way to play football. Mm-hmm. And, and by, you know, they pushed things back. And then I've watched what we've done with, with the basketball calendar. I, per, I, I personally, Tubby, feel like we, we didn't have to make a decision on everything when we did. I thought we could wait and see kind of what's going to happen with football. Mm-hmm. And before we shorten our season, because I've, I have felt all along that we needed the longest runway that we could possibly have. And I don't understand the difference starting November the 10th and as opposed to November 25th. You know, people make the case that, well, the students will be off campus, but well, we're practicing right now. 
with the students on campus. And I do know our students are going to come back in January. And uh, so why would we not want to learn some things right now with them on campus while we play games? And I'm not sure how many people we're going to be able, if any, put into our stadium. But, uh, you know, the one thing I, I want to see us do and, and what I, and I think, I think with what we've done is every team's got to have the chance, a fair chance to make the NCAA tournament. And if they just go to more conference games and cut out non-league games, we need those non-league games to build resumes. And as you know, Tubby, now, you know, there's schools that need that guarantee money yep. to help with their budgets. And so being with our background, you know, where we started I and mean, where we played, I and mean, we know what it's like to get a buck, two bucks for post-game meal yep. money and, and travel at VCU and George Mason, those kind of places. I have a, I, I have a place in my heart where I want the, those schools, as much as I want us to get to the tournament, I, I want those schools to have the same advantage. Mm-hmm. And I do know this, if we cut back on the non-league schedule to a point where you can't build a resume, it's going to become the I candy test, and we know that's going to favor the big schools, and I don't think it should be like that. Well, you, you bring up a valid point there. I think, um, yeah, but it, uh, schools at our level, the Big South level, we're we're one bid bid league for the NCAA tournament anyway. But I, but you you bring up a point about the guarantee games, and that's so critical to the entire athletic budget and the existence of these athletic programs. Uh, but I'm afraid what you're going to see is a lot of sports being uh, eliminated because of the the budget crunch. You already see people being furloughed, not just at small colleges, but at major colleges as well. You, you brought a point about a long runway. And I, I thought the same thing. I think we should get going. We're seeing what's happening in football. I am concerned that that this cancellation taking place this week might send a you know what I mean, Rick? It yeah. may send another message. Yeah. Uh, but but I believe in listening to the, the NCAA doctors and, and hearing them report on why the lateness because let's face it, when players, you know, you play a basketball game, all of a sudden you have you feel good about yourself. You win, you go out, and you have a good time, and there's parties going on on campus, which there are. Yes. That's I'm sure that was one of the major concerns they had, and that we could control our teams and our players better, you know, with with not so many distractions on campus. You know, they're no, they're not in class. For instance, most people are going to. There were no, there won't be any on in in person exams given. They will all be online once we leave before November. And uh, and uh, I'm afraid that listening to some of the medical people about the upcoming fall and winter months, that that's when the, when the spread is most uh, when we're most vulnerable to the spread of, of this uh, COVID nineteen. So I, I and, but you're right. I think our guys are so excited to know that we're going to be playing. That's the first thing is <laughs> thank God we're going to be playing. Right. So, and so I can, you know, that was the most important thing. And so I was one of those guys that I don't care when I just need to play. But I think these non-league games, we're trying to, it's just adapting schedules. I'm sure you happen to have to make those adjustments now as well. Who you, because if you, how many games do you have before? We had four or five games that we were going to play before the 25th. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, we were supposed to play in an MTE against Southern Cal and Connecticut. They were supposed to have Liberty and Monmouth and Eastern Washington here on our campus. And we got in this MTE to, to get these two home games as well as a guarantee. Uh, so in Davidson, now we've got to change the Davidson game, which was a, a guarantee game for us. Uh, on the 10th so uh, how, how you are doing how because gg my my staff they're working hard on that now to make the adjustments yeah you know, you know what well we're waiting now for the sec to tell us how many games we're going to okay. we're going to play the 18 conference games or are they going to add some or we're going to play 18 plus the challenge and mm-hmm. we do that we're going to have to trim what four or five games is i guess five right. games and it's really interesting since this has happened almost every one of our you know, our, our buy games, uh, whether it would be Presbyterian or uh, upstate, those schools have all called because, you know, they need they need that money. They're like, I know that, you know, you're going to have to do something, but if at all possible, mm-hmm. can you play us, you know? And yeah. so that that's, again, that's where we are right now, but we, but we can't do anything, even with our EMT, you know, E right now until um, – we get word from the FCC of what they're going to do within the league themselves because, you know, they they control where we where we go from here. Yeah. And you know the one thing the one thing that I do believe, Toby, I do believe this. You know, everybody's talking about you know we continue with the testing and you know the Power Five schools obviously have done a lot a lot with testing and maybe more so than than the uh, mid to low major schools. But here's one thing I do know: I don't care what level you you're at. The administrations, I promise you, they're doing everything they can to protect their players. And yeah. so I know that if we are have a bubble here and we're going to bring in a team to play, if we say to them, this is the, our drug, I mean, our uh, our COVID testing policy, and we need you to do this to come play, I know this, that those teams would be more than willing to do that because they're probably already doing it anyway, right? No, no and, uh And so – that that part, uh, I don't think we have to be in a bubble in terms of the league playing 26 conference games. And it goes back like like someone uh, I've had a couple of different coaches call me and say, well, if we're going to cut back games and not have the M, you know multiple team events, MTEs, why don't we uh, just make the lightest schedule we can make? And I said, well, that's what the NCAA would look at the basketball committee and say. Well, you, you could have played some more tougher games you, if you had chosen to. Mm-hmm. So if the more non-league games we play, the more we're going to have a chance to build a resume to help us. And uh, that's why I hope we get more. Uh, again, our league could come back and say we don't, we can't play the mm-hmm. MPEs. I don't know if they were or they won't, but uh, we're, we're just mm-hmm. we're, right now we're just waiting on the league. But here's what I also think. I don't think our conference office is concerned as much about that right now until we get back football going because yeah. we need football to get going you know i think we need it across the country to get going and if we do that then i think more eyes will turn to where we'll be able to make that decision quickly you know yeah, in I terms was, of what we got to do i was one of those that, that was hoping that they would be in all you know, that all teams would get in but i knew uh, you know that we would get all 350 plus teams in a, in a tournament and, and but i guess that was something that's that wasn't going on. Well, I think some schools, some leagues have already said they're just going to play thirteen. The yep. thirteen is the minimum, yep. right? Right. And some and some conferences are going to do that, and I'm, I'm sure they're looking at that like you know we we're going to save money by not playing the other you know 
15 games or so, you know, yeah. and, um, and we're going to stay safe. The question is going to become now, Tubby, are they going to do for basketball what they've done for the, the, you know, these, uh, winter sports, ball sports, are they going to give you, give players another year of eligibility? Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick timeout with Planet Smoothie. Be sure to energize your day with the official drink of the High Point Panthers, Planet Smoothie, the best tasting smoothie on the planet. A big thanks to Planet Smoothie for being a proud supporter of High Point Athletics as well as the Tubby Smith Show. I had that written down as a question for for both of you because, I mean, at this point, spring sports had their championships cut short, right? Um, fall sports for the the year 2020 have, have been cut. And this really is the only season where the, the athletes have not been given that option yet, but it's clearly impacted their seasons because, you know, now with the November 25th start date, at the very least, you got, you know, two weeks taken away and that's assuming you can get the whole thing. Uh, you know, rolled out and scheduled and played. Uh, I'm interested in each of your thoughts on that, especially coming from from different types of programs. With Tubby, you being at, at, at High Point, and and Rick, with y- you having you know uh, more guys who are who are maybe looking to jump early if they can to to an NBA draft or, or play pro elsewhere. Well, am I, am I right? They've already made the decision that this year football players get an extra year, right? Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, quite literally, yeah. Uh, yeah. winter athletes are the only ones who haven't been given yeah. that option. You know what? Uh, it wouldn't bother me if they did that. I, I think that there's just like uh, I know here uh, some of the people that lost their spring sport their spring season last year had already made decisions that they were going to grad school. They had already had jobs and they said that, you know, they're not going to come back for one more year of whatever sport. It it could have been softball. It could have been track and field. It could have been tennis, whatever. But I I don't have a problem at all for, uh, if, if, if teams, to, if players don't get a uh, matter of fact, I like for my whole team to come back again next year. To be honest with you, <laughs> well, you, you I mean, had- I'd like, I'd like, I would have loved to have Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Durant for four years. You know? Yeah. yeah, but uh, but I, I don't. Some, some. I think some. If, if that option is put out there, I think some would choose to do it, and I think some would maybe move on. You know, well, I, I, I do, I do believe that. Well, I agree with you, Rick. I agree with you. But the biggest challenge we're gonna have right now is the transfer issues. I think that's where we. A school like High Point, or even Tennessee, you know, it's. Um, but but I, you're, you're right. I hope they offer their opportunity for a winter student, winter sport student athletes to have that option. Uh, and but well, you you know, I, I was talking to one of our ministers. I think I think something like that here would cost somewhere in the range of one and a half to two million dollars. Yeah. That's what's going to mm-hmm. cost huh. university, and that's what's going to. That's what's going. That's what it's going to get down to. Yes. Some schools just simply can't afford it. No, you know, some can, and uh, that's you know a lot a lot of things. I, I also think that when this settles, which who knows how long, I think you're going to see a lot of realignment, some more realignment with conferences. Mm. I think you're going to see some uh, things become much more regionalized in some ways, especially with Olympic sports. I think that's going to happen because the cut down the cost of travel. I mean, there have been some schools that have been hit really, really hard financially that are going to, it's going to take years for them to, to get out of it. Yeah, if they ever and, get out of it. And so I, I do think there's going to be some realignment going on here, uh, 
in in some ways, and and I don't know what it is. I don't. I mean, but I do believe that. I, I believe that mm-hmm. it's coming. Yes, it is. Well, Rick, man, this has really been fun to spend some time with you. I know. You have any more questions here that we want to? Because Rick, you just a, no, he's, he's full of. He is. Yeah, he's well, an open book. Yes, we, you, you know, know what? We'll, you know what we'll have to do. Given the imminent success of of the Tubby Smith Show podcast here <laughs> and, and what we're headed for, we'll just have to have you back at some point, Rick. Right? Well, I, I would love to. Like I said, I'm I, I, Tubby. I, we I feel like we've grown up together yeah. in this business. You know, I can remember one night going down. I think he was re- uh, recruiting his a couple guys from Oak Hill Academy. Uh, you would remember him, Tubby? Was it Steve Silva and uh, who was the other guy? Calvin Duncan. Calvin Duncan at oh, really man. those two guys. That's my neck of the woods guys up in yeah. Virginia. So we, we were there and I remember watching a game uh with Tubby down there and they were playing against uh the kid that went Atkins kid that went to Maryland. Yeah, that's Tubby, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, and we were there. But th- after those games we had to drive three or four hours yep. to get back home. <laughs> No. You know, it was late at night, and we were we were hoping those things didn't go into overtime. But, uh, <laughs> it's tough coming <laughs> off that mountain too. Out of I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I'm down I'm down in Norfolk, Virginia, one night. We're recruiting a guy named Amp Davis, and he was playing against a guy named Horace Lambert. Okay. I remember coming out of the gym that night, and I saw a guy with a flashlight sitting in a car, going through a year, going through the press guide with a, with Horace. <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> I said, "There's a man that's getting after it right there." You know? There's a man. You got you. Hey, you signed him too, didn't you? Yeah, no, no, we didn't get an injury with the ODU man. <laughs> oh, did but that's okay. oh, did he? Yeah, I, I, yeah, my batteries. Uh, <laughs> I had, new, I had yeah. to get new batteries and everything for that flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, tell yeah. Candy and everybody, tell the family. You know, we wish you the best, man. And, same here, Thank man. You so much. The same. Appreciate you guys. Thanks right. for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks, Rick.